just postulating. And it doesn't speak for those, I would say, who were born in the 80s or below. Early 90s were on the cusp, but everybody after. And I get it, some people get all their panties in a wad, but I believe some of the problems we're having today are a result of our society shifting its parenting style from teaching to protecting. So I grew up in a generation where there wasn't any, well, look, we played video games, trust me, parents, get away from the TV, get outside, like, they had the same type of problems, but the difference is, they said, go out and leave. So when you got out, I could tell you all the fights I got in that my parents never go to I got in, I can tell you all the times we had to negotiate on where we were gonna build the fort, I can tell you how we negotiated where we are gonna get the stuff for the fort, you know, who's gonna get what, like, there was a lot of interaction and stuff that parents were not part of, that kids had to figure out on their own. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Beck Holland and Keenan. Beck is CEO and founder at Flip the Script. Keenan is, well, Keenan is Keenan, as well as CEO of a sales consulting, a sales guy consulting, excuse me, and author of the best selling book, Gap Selling. Now, in our conversation today, Beck, Keenan, and I start out by talking about how Beck and Keenan are taking their show on the road like rock stars, on their nine-city North American tour that kicks off next month. And we dig into the details of the tour and the types of things that attendees can expect to learn. And then we veer off into unexplored territory like we always do when Keenan is on the show. And I don't want to spoil it, but needless to say, it is entertaining and educational. So you want to stick around and hear this. Now, before we get to Beck and Keenan, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it. If you could also leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Beck, Keenan, welcome to the show. Hello, Andy Paul. Excited to be here. So actually, you know, somebody had asked me, I was talking about Keenan earlier, somebody I was talking to earlier today, and I said, I, I think I've known Keenan so long that when I met him, he was just Jim. That's interesting. I think we should just go with Jim for the rest of the conversation. No, no, I, I, I forgot. I slipped once when, when Keenan and I were doing a, a podcast interview a couple of years ago, and he, he let me know I was, I was uh, going down the wrong path. I just had a conversation, a long, long conversation actually today with Jill Conrath, and we were talking mm-hmm. about the same thing. Like she was one of the very first people that put their arms around me when I was a young forty-two-year-old newbie into the space, and. And uh, we were talking about all of that. Yeah, it's funny. It's been a long time. Yeah. Well, she likewise did the same for me. I mean, I was, I was a little older than 42, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, very generous support from Jill. She's good Pete. So, so I, I, I sort of feel like, you know, I'm in the presence of, of rock stars here. And just like rock stars, you guys are going out on tour. So I love that. So, Beck, tell me about, tell me about the tour. Uh, well, it's uh, TBD. It hasn't happened yet. Well, I know, but <laughs> here, you're here to tell me about it and tell the audience about what's going to happen. Yeah, so we're doing uh, nine different cities, and it's going to be all free. We're essentially going to um, do some training after hours, kind of a rogue series, and uh, I'm going to be diving deep on uh, the prospecting angle. Keenan's going to be going in on the closing, uh, quote unquote, closing angle. Um, but essentially, I got this random idea in my head of like, okay, I used to work in music venues and I bartended in, 
you know, ran shows back in my renegade days. And I'm like, okay, we already have the tour bus. We already have the tour manager from the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. We're going to get to the tour bus. Let's not jump ahead. So let's let's talk about let's talk about the event itself. So in each city, there's going to be you and Keenan talking, and then there's going to be you're going to what have breakouts afterwards for more intimate training or what? Yeah. So essentially we're going to lead off. We're going to have an opener in every city and it kind of flexes depending on the city. And then we're going to go into a pitch off where there will be two reps that are going to give their best seven minute pitch and be judged by the crowd. And we're going to, how are they being picked? Uh, they are being hand selected by me beforehand. Okay. They're opening themselves up to coaching and then the crowd is going to elect the winner. Very cool. So how many people at these venues you're going? Are these music venues you're going to? Or, or like what's, how, what's the size of the crowd that people will be doing their pitch off in front of? Yeah, so it depends on the venue. But the smallest venue is actually probably my favorite venue is going to be the Troubadour in L.A. So that's where. The Troubadour. Yes. Do you know the Troubadour? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh Gosh, you know, if you're a follower of, of you know, Jackson Brown and Eagles and Elton John and James Taylor, Carol King, all those people play the Troubadour. Yes, yes. Uh, Elton John, even in the movie Rocket Man, uh, that's the venue that they yeah. feature as his first right? venue in L.A. So they're known for kind of like the breakout Coldplay, the Killers, Jimi Hendrix, you know, have all played there. So we're doing it at the Troubadour in L.A. So that capacity is, oddly enough, only like 120 seats. So how did you decide the Troubadour? I find this fascinating. That's that's why I was calling you guys rock stars. You're going to these music venues, these historic music venues. Uh, And we'll get to the tour bus because that's the other part of it. But but, how did you decide on that? Uh, The music venues or the Troubadour in specific? Well, both. Yeah, so I had... I think it's an interesting mix because in my career, I originally started selling as an AE and then I decided to throw in the, the uh, talent going to music full time. Cause I'm like, I want to live my life and like spread my, <laughs> my wings, whatever. So I like went into music, you music know, for, meaning what meaning I uh, booked tours, local tours, national tours, bartended a bunch of venues. Um, and because I have an inherent love for music, I'm very music oriented all right, um, so let's let's dig deep. So, what what type of music? What groups? What, who do you follow? Oh, I mean, my my top five. Uh, Keenan's probably gonna uh, get sick to his stomach whenever he hears these. But uh, Taylor Swift is definitely in my top five. <laughs> He's got three teenage daughters. I think he probably hears enough Taylor Swift on no, rotation. They hate Taylor Swift, man. Oh, they do. Oh, oh they hate her. Oh my God! No, my my teenage isn't a Meek Mill and freaking Tyler the Creator and huh? oh no, she's straight hip hop man. Like, All right. Yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Jackson for sure is top five for me. Elliot Smith is top five. Fancy oh. format, fun, honorary title. Uh, Quinn, I love Quinn. AJR, you know. Uh, All right. Yeah, that's kind of the it's kind of an eclectic mix, but I definitely love uh, Taylor Swift for sure. So, how'd you end up back then in sales? So, I went into music thinking like, okay, this is really my true passion, and this is my dream. And my parents were like, "You finished college, so we're excited for, for you." So they 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 were like, "Okay, go ahead and do, you know do whatever you want to do." And so I went into music for. Um, 
for a couple of years. And after about, oh, I don't know, a year, I'm like, I'm not cut out for this. I'm just really, really like not. So I'd be like bartending and I would get in trouble for reading too much. They're like right. less of the books, more of the smiling and like serving the drinks. Um, so uh, I got to work with a lot of really, really interesting uh, acts and bands and see a lot of good shows. And then after about a year, I'm like, I'm tapped out. I can't. I can't do it anymore. So I was in the green room uh, where the band and uh, the venue were arguing back and forth. And they had been for, I counted 48 minutes about there were six diet Cokes that were supposed to be on their rider, meaning provided at the onset and they yeah. weren't there. And so they're going back and forth on who is going to pay for these diet Cokes. And I had this out of body experience and I literally stood up, and I threw a 20 on the table and I was like, I'll pay for the Diet Cokes. Russell, I quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who didn't, who didn't take the blue M&Ms out of the, uh, the bowl? Yes. Everyone was in shock and I just walked out of the room. So I, I went back into sales. I'm like, I think that this, you know, this isn't. Um, but that was kind of the bend for it of like, I've, I've found this interesting thing. And I'm sure that Keenan has too in my career where uh, you've got your authentic self you know, what things that you really like. And then you kind of have your, your corporate self or the one that you, you know, build up or the image that you portray. And there's a uh, very big Delta, at least for me, you know, of, I thought that I can never be who I truly am, you know, within my profession. I thought that I had from eight to five, I had to bottle it up and essentially put on the suit and do the thing and close the deal. And then at five o'clock I can go home and be my actual self, you know, where I have all these interests Mm -hmm. being one of them. And so this was, I think being yourself is a luxury, you know, and a lot of, a lot of stage of the game. So it's where I felt really comfortable. So I got the idea, um, you know, and I pitched it to Keenan and I was, I was kind of shocked when he said, (laughs) said yes, originally, because it's just such a a rogue thing, but he was super sweet about it and just, um, yeah, said he'd be a part of it. Yeah, so Keenan, take us through that. So, I mean, you guys you have various sort of complementary uh, areas that you focus on. Beck Moore, you know, sort of top of funnel, Keenan, more middle and bottom of the funnel. Tell us about your interest in the tour and what uh, what are you going to talk about when you're out there? I don't know what I'm talking about. I told her it'd be different every show. So, you know, I'll cross the bridge when I get there. Um, but uh, the reason I did it is, I don't know, I'm just not afraid to do new things. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, she did it last year and she said a bunch of people showed up. And I said, how can I lose if I'm on the road for two weeks talking to hundreds, if not thousands of people over, you know, over a two week period? How can I lose? So they're out, I'll do it. Yeah. So what's top of mind for you these days in terms of topics that are of interest to you that you want to talk about? You know, that's really interesting. That is one of the reasons I didn't commit to um, my topics because rightfully so, but also personally a bit frustrating is more and more of my time is spent on the business, not in the business. Um, you know, we're, we're growing quick, quickly. We've crossed some pretty substantial milestones. We're now licensing our stuff. We're bringing on GMs. You know, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I have this particular set of goals I'm trying to reach over a seven-year period. And so I don't spend as much time in the, in the sales day-to-day evaluation world as I would like. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. as we get closer to the to the event, I have a tendency to submerge myself in what people are talking about, what's frustrating them, what's going on. And from there, I'll pull out my 
bag of tricks. But what you can what you can know is it'll be typical Keenan. It will be my take on bullshit. It will be um, breaking down ideas that I think are good that are just not articulated well or or, or put in a, a format or an executable style um, and show and be like this is good, but the way it's being taught or, or laid out or um, shared is is not advantageous to salespeople. So here's here's a take that'll actually allow you to apply it. So it'll be a typical Keenan fashion. Okay. Well, you want to count on that. That's the entertainment value, right? <laughs> right. That's why people yeah, are coming. I mean, yeah. So what are the nine cities again? Uh, we're going to be doing Boston, New York, Chicago, Raleigh, Atlanta, Austin, Salt Lake, LA, and SF. All right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the bus. So you said you had a tour bus, because this is a first, as far as I can tell, for, for <laughs> the sales world, is getting on a tour bus and you said you have a tour manager. You have roadies as well, or <laughs> um, no? What, what do you mean by roadies? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, people not not groupies, roadies. People that set up the equipment and so on. <laughs> I can uh, see yeah. by your expression that you were wondering where yeah. I was about yeah. this. Like, yeah, not we, that. We definitely do have a tour manager. I th- I think the most interesting thing um, that I uh, that I'm excited about is not necessarily all the you know, the, the collateral, the, the music theme of it. It's more so that I feel like, uh, we're at a really dangerous time in sales from my oh. perspective. All right. Let's explore that. Yeah. I mean, uh, the statistics show, or at least, uh, some of the stats that I've read that 76% of SDRs aren't hitting quota and 85% of, S- of account executives aren't hitting 75% of their quota. Mm-hmm. And I go through these teams, um, and the intent is there, the desire is there. Um, but the execution and the framework and the format and, you know, all of the, uh, inherent skills that go along with it, um, you know, it just, it just doesn't seem to be working out. And so, um, I was particularly drawn to Keenan's body of work, you know, because he's talking about something, he, he was talking about sales in a way that I hadn't seen it talked about before in a way that finally made sense to me, you know? So I think that this is a bridge or at least what I hope is a variety and kind of taking down the curtain and saying like, okay, what we're doing right now, you know, as is how we've done it in the industry so far is not getting us to our goal, you know? And so it's not, it's one thing to not admit that at all. It's another thing to admit it, not do anything about it, but how do we actually put a shot on goal to do something about it? How do we pivot the infrastructure of sales into something that's more meaningful, you know, more focused on the actual prospect at hand, that is less technique driven, that truly they walk away from the engagement being, not only satisfied with your service, but in a different spot for the uh, better because of working with you. And so I'm excited particularly because when I would see um, Keenan present, it wasn't his, the uh, grandiloquence of it all. It was more so he was mentioning, you know, something that I hadn't heard before. And he was mentioning uh, selling in a way that felt better to me and was more, um, it was more advantageous to the buyer and all about the buyer and less about talking about all of your stuff in a way. So I think I've heard in the, the industry, I'll say this and then I sh- I've all shut up, you know, but um, I, I think I've heard people say, well, yeah, you shouldn't talk about features and, and benefits and all that stuff. You know, you should talk about, you know, pain or you should talk about, you know, these other couple of items or like disco- true discovery is like just understanding from a high level, you know, what they want 
you know, and listening to him talk, I was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pizzazz and there's a lot of, um, kind of mojo in the whole thing. But I'm like, he was the first person that I heard that I had not heard the content that he was talking about in terms of how do you die, like, how do you enter into the buyer's world and understand the buyer's world better than the buyer does, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you solve some of those problems that they might not even know that they had, you know, and help put them in a different spot, you know, than, uh, than they were beforehand. So that's what I'm, I mean, I'm excited about the tour bus. I'm excited about all the filming that we're going to do there, but I hope that this is just the first effort of many you know, to kind of pivot the industry, you know, and tease out, tease out what's wrong with it. And how can we, how can we start to solve it? Right. So uh, Keenan, so why, why is there such resistance to change in sales and where does that start? Where's that, where's the change have to start from? Well, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm not convinced there's a resistance to change as much as I'm convinced that there's not, we're losing the understanding of what selling is mm-hmm. so um look when when we started i think i was the last generation probably maybe a few people after me where we sold without the internet right so mm-hmm. my first job was book of lists i just got lucky that i worked for the chamber of commerce and they created the list so they just gave it to us you know what i'm saying and right. and in the yellow pages and i remember my first job um, I mean, I, look, I was, I was a hustler. I was hungry. So I, you know, I'd be driving home and I'd be in traffic and I'd see trucks or signs. I'm like, Oh, I should call them tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And so there was a lot of experiential learning that, that organizations just couldn't, um, mitigate for us or baby us on. And so that learning right, wrong, or indifferent, um, as you became managers and VPs, you built those, those people who cared, built processes and environments around that not only um, uh, helped the whole sales organization, but targeted and, and focused on those things, those particular selling skills that salespeople needed, right? Now, when I sit and talk to sales leaders, 90% of the conversation is around SDR, is around structure, process, and tools. Uh-huh. It's rarely around people, right? And when you start talking about the people, they just all default to, well, we know, just go find the pain. Like, well, we know, just like they just flick it. Like, I already know all that. So let's get all this other stuff. And what's quickly happening is they're lacking the critical thinking skills. They're lacking the um, creativity. They're lacking the the psychological understanding of buyers and how you connect with the buyer. Mm -hmm. And they're even lacking in many ways the, God, I hate to call it the art, but... The, the sophistication, the sophistication of asking a question, right? Like just a simple question, how you ask it three different ways is going to get you three different answers, right? But they just bunge it all together and they go, well, I ask them that, you know? So if you ever watched my, Andy, if you've ever, have you ever watched my live selling? No. So, oh my all God. Right. I cannot, so I did this live sales call called Gap Sell Keenan. I've done 47 of them, right? Go back okay. and watch them. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm, it's not statistically correct, but it's getting pretty damn close. And every single one of them makes the same fucking mistakes all the time. And they're stupid. I'm thinking, if this is how the majority of the world sells, that's why we're behind on quota. Right. And so who's who? <laughs> this is always a hard question, but. Yeah, who's responsible for that? Is it the individual leadership. seller or is leadership? Leader, right, leadership number so, one is the individual seller because it's their it's their career. Right. So so we'll get to the seller secondly, but but I always think about you know if you were a f- a factory manager and you were chartered with you know building a product 
and it worked the same percentage of time coming out of the factory that sellers work, right? That they hit quota. You know, if you can only work 100%, you'd be fired in a heartbeat. Yeah. So there doesn't seem to be any level of care. And this is obviously, I'm painting with a broad brush, but in general, there's not enough level of care shown by the manager to say, look, I'm equipping these people, I'm helping these people perform the way they're supposed to. And there's, I, I think there's this acceptance of, general acceptance of bad performance. Yeah, I think it's because they don't know the true root cause. Yeah. It's them. Yeah, it's them. And, and because of them, it's right. they don't understand where the problem is within their sales organization and what they're doing wrong. Right. So they don't know what to fix. They want to get more tools, more tools, more tools, more tools. Yeah, I, I speaking in front of a group a couple of years ago, and to this point precisely is 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 I don't know, you guys if you guys are members of Modern Sales Pros, and not to pick on them, but you know I I <laughs> took a screen grab of like the thirty most recent threads that have been started, mm-hmm. and I said you know put it up on the screen for the audience. I said so you know here's Modern Sales Pros, um, what's missing? You know go through and read the. The uh, the number of threads or the titles of the threads, and it was to your point precisely, Keenan. Wasn't one thing about actual selling there. There was nothing about a customer there. It was all about tools and process and tech. And it's just like that's not selling. <laughs> I don't care what you can put any label you want on it, but yeah, you know, we have this conceit that modern sales is well. Let's take sort of previously unacceptably bad sales behaviors and automate them, and it makes it modern. Yeah. So let me give you a great example, right? And I'm not going to say the name. It doesn't matter. They don't want to work with me anymore. We're walking away anyways. But <laughs> I did a, I did a, a discovery, two discoveries with a giant, major Fortune 20, 25, they have 7,000 sales reps. Right. Okay? I'm talking to the worldwide VP of enablement. And I'm digging in all these questions. I'm doing a typical Keenan discovery. And at one point in time, you could see her getting frustrated. And she and I asked her, I'm going to butcher this, but I think I said, uh, what is your average sales cycle or what is your average ASP? One of those, right? And I asked her and she finally said, why do you want to know? Why are you asking me this question? And I said, well, at the end of the day, as far as we're concerned here at Sales Guys, there are only four critical business problems in a sales organization. That's it. There is missing quota or not reaching your growth goals. There is um, long sales cycles. There is low average ASP, and there is a low win rate, right? Mm-hmm. So your, your win rate's too low. So that's right. it. I said all roads lead to there. And if you don't have one of those problems, there's really no reason to invest a dime, okay? So what I try to do is understand where those are. Mm-hmm. And she said, she stopped me. She goes, let me tell you the problem, and I can save you the hassle. The problem is, is our buyers are switching, and they used to be in IT. Now they're on the business side and the functional side. And our salespeople don't know how to move from there to there. Does your product or service help? And I said, you know what? I said, I love that. That's what's called the technical problem. So I said, so tell me, because they can't find the buyer on the functional side of the house, what's being affected? Are you missing quota? <laughs> are, you, are your close rates coming down? Right? Are, you, are your average sales price declining? Right? I said it. And she looked at me. She goes, I don't know those answers. I don't know those numbers. So my point in this is this is supposedly a highly sophisticated organization, a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar company with 7,000 sales reps. She is worldwide VP of enablement. She had no idea. Right. And so I literally said to her, I said, so if I can help your people find those people and they still go do a shitty job selling, have we solved anything? 
And as you can imagine, it wasn't going to be a small gig. So I was like, we're talking a lot of money. And right. so she got frustrated and more visibly frustrated because now her peers are seeing she can't answer these questions. And look, I respect her and I didn't do anything disrespectful, but you could tell when the call was over, I'm like, yeah, guys, we lost that deal. I just right. outed her unintentionally and she wasn't woman enough to say, wow, you got some good points. I have some work to do here. Oh my God, can you help me? It was the other way around. Uh-uh, I know what I'm talking about. You don't. She pulled up. I've been in this for 25 years. And I was like, ah, the minute someone pulls that on me, I'm like, well, it was nice talking to you. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. You're closed-minded, yes. Yeah, so to your point, to your point, it was my long story. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's it starts with the fish rots from the head down, right? So, I mean, I, I understand. There's so much more reps could do individually and more accountability, the personal accountability they could take and responsibility. But too often the reflex action is to point fingers at them rather mm-hmm. than helping them. But don't, hey, don't let reps off the hook because no, people kill me. Not. People like people kill you. See, you just poke, you just poke the bear. People, I am so frustrated with people. You can't even, and I look, I'm the most people person in the world, right? But I get, I'm so angry and frustrated with people right now um, because I believe people cheat themselves out of life. Mm-hmm. They all, they just cheat themselves out of life. Uh, my sister's is, is terminal and she's, she's dying. I'm sorry I'm to really, hear that. Yeah, sorry to hear and that. I'm really, and I'm really struggling with it. And one of the reasons I'm struggling with it is life is precious. Like I know it feels like it's a long time. When you get to it, it's not that long. And you're going to wake up one day and what's not here is going to be here, right? Whether it's your kids leaving from home or whether it's your dying or your parents dying or you lose your job. Like you may be great now, but shit's coming. And if you don't learn to maximize your life, you're fucked. And I literally watch people who send me a note and says, hey, Keenan, uh, I'm struggling in sales and When's your next um, $99, you know, um, training? We only do these once in a blue moon to right. bring on our certified trainers. And I'm like, hey, I don't know when, but we got a $499 training out here to help you big time. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't have that money. It's like, fuck you. Like, you literally will spend 500 bucks on your own personal development. I was like, I can't help you. I just you want everything given to you. You want it wrapped up in a fucking box. You want someone to hand it to you, give you instructions. You don't want to take ownership for your own goddamn life. You want to invest in yourself. And then you get upset <coughs> and you're mad where you end up. It just pisses me off. Well, then, yeah, I'll give you another similar example, but it's not the trade-off on the money. But it's, it's you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's, okay, life is full of trade-offs, as you talked about, right? You make, yes. you make choices. And so as a seller, if you're struggling... You have a choice. You could spend 73 hours binging Game of Thrones or you. or you could spend one extra hour a day yep. for 73 straight days devoted to reaching your goal in life. And yep. what would happen if you did that? Yep. What would happen? Whatever you want to happen. Exactly. I mean, yeah. seven, you just gave yourself 73 hours. I'm not opposed to popular entertainment. I like watching stuff as well. But – Still, everything's a trade-off. No one and wants to trade. No one wants to trade. Everybody wants to take. No one wants to trade. And then they get mad. I had this dude, like I had this dude on Facebook. Rip guy live in Vale, and this uh, out of fairness, it's a very small. What do you call it? Um, employee uh, and housing. Affordable housing is bad, right. and right. it's getting bad because of Airbnb, right? Right. And so some guy gets on. He's railing about. It. He says, you know, um, you know, people can't do this and people can't do it. And I simply said, well, why don't you just buy a house? Right? Like, if you don't like, why don't you buy a house and rent it? Or why don't you just buy a house? Well, I can't buy a house and did it. And it's fucking this and did it. I'm like, okay, you can't tell you. Why don't you sit, rather than spending your time on here bitching and moaning, lay out what you need to do to buy a house and make it a one year plan, three year plan, five year plan, nine year plan. Do it. No one bought my houses. 
Like, it's just, everybody wants to blame everybody fucking else and doesn't stop and say, what choice have I made that got me to a place in life that I can't buy a house? And if you decide to do a career that will never afford you a house, that's okay. Then you must really like that career, accept it, and stop complaining you can't buy a fucking house. It's just amazing the lack of accountability and ownership we have placed. And the reason I get so mad at, um, as you can tell I'm so fired up, is not because it affects me. But because somewhere in my life, I learned that I can get whatever I want out of it, and it hurts me inside Right. to know that somebody is in so much pain that they can't get what they want out of life that they're blaming others. It, 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 sh- it shakes me to the core. It's like watching that person walk up and stick their hand in the stove for the fifth time and bleed everywhere and screaming and yelling. It's like, stop! Like, it's just stop! Please, please stop. And they don't. Yeah. It kills me. It kills me. Side note, people listening, if you want a sort of masterclass in personal accountability, follow Keenan on Facebook. <laughs> Over the last four years, uh, nobody better, believe me. Yeah. And I'm a liberal, FYI. I am not the asshole that says, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and your personal life didn't have something to do with it. Like, I, like, I factor that in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but that's I, yeah. Most human thing you'll read. I, I look for it. It's the, only, it's the only thing I read on Facebook, actually. So I know all about your European vacation this past summer and so on. So. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I fanboy Kenyon on Facebook. Uh, yeah, I just agree 100%. I mean, it's, it's – I don't know if it's any different than it's ever been, but I think we have the ability to talk about it more in terms of the accountability. And also there's just more distractions, I think, perhaps – than there was in the past. Um, you know, there's so much coming at you, and we just have to make a choice. We can't have it all. And yeah, if you sacrifice your learning, you sacrifice your growth so you can watch an extra episode of The Bachelor, then that's a choice you're making. And to your point, that's on you. What do you think, Beck? We sort of been on a rant. You have. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Beck. No, uh, you mean on accountability or sales leadership? <laughs> uh, both. I mean, the accountability piece, I think, well, I think the thing, uh, respectfully, you two are missing is, you know, the excuses are easier. So it's, they don't, I don't think deep down believe the excuse of like that it's someone else's fault. They just need something to say, you know, mm. like reality is in both sales, life in general, like, the day that I became accountable, it completely, you know, and I think there, there's shades of it, you know, like right. you don't just, it's not digital. You're not just accountable a hundred percent or, or zero accountability. But right. the, the day that I uh, flipped to an accountability mindset, I'll, I'll never forget it. It's like, it made my life infinitely better and also infinitely more difficult, you know, mm-hmm. because know that if you're not getting this thing that it's on you you know that when you get in a fight that there was some piece that you had to do with it you know that when you got let go that you had some piece to do it wasn't all your manager it wasn't all bullshit it wasn't all you know someone else's doing and so i think the accountability piece like it's a tough mindset now it to keenan's point it pays off of like i hear a lot of people they say uh oh well you know i wish i was where you are in your career like I, i i wish that i had this background you know, of like, I didn't, I didn't grow up with that, or I didn't have what you have, the network that you have in the Bay Area. I'm like, let me explain something to you. Yeah. I moved to San Francisco as a 30 year old and became an SDR mm-hmm. at 30. 
with no network. Right. And I knew that being the most expensive city in the world, you know, that I needed to make an imprint. Like my life is mine at that mm-hmm. point. And so I need to do something and I need to do it fast. So the things that I did, it wasn't linear. It wasn't like, and, and I'm not a marquee example, certainly not in my lifetime, but, uh, you know, overall of like the accountability mindset, there was a lot of times where I just had to flat out get kicked in the teeth. But that piece, when I moved to the Bay Area, I'm like, I've got to find the right people and get in the right, like, I just got to make it happen. I had zero technology. I had zero network, you know. And so it's like the things that I did was, you know, show up at networking events, research that person before Mm -hmm. and get in front of them, pray that you say the right thing. You know, when you get kicked down, like, you know, figure out what you did wrong and try to make it better. So I think traversing over to sales leadership, I think part of it is it is on the leaders. And I think that the, the marquee of a good sales leader is someone who knows what works. And that's the gap for them is they don't know tactically and they don't know structurally what works. And the gap for them is actually, to your point, an accountability piece because it's on you as a leader to do what you have to do to find out what does work and then coach it to all these reps. Like some some people say like, okay, how do I motivate my team? Like, what spiffs can I do to motivate my team? I'm like, you know who doesn't have to, uh, a team that doesn't need to be motivated? A team that's winning. Mm-hmm. Figure out what helps them win. And when they're winning, you don't have to, like, do some, like, team outing with beers and, like, everyone has a partner where they get to know you better. Like, they're all huddled around home plate watching the guy walk in, you know, who just hit the the grand slam. So I think... To your point, I, I think it is an accountability piece for sales leaders that they're like, okay, I'm going to hide, but I, I don't know tactically how to make this cold call better. I don't know tactically what this rep is doing wrong. I don't know tactically what will work, you know, so I'm just going to, I guess, shout a couple things at them, you know, ask them to do more of it. I hear the theory and it, this is what tells me that we're in a very... It, one of the pieces we're in a very dangerous spot is people say like, oh, well, the best sales reps don't always make the best leaders. And I'm like, I agree with you, but they have to be good at sales to be a good leader. Otherwise, what on earth are they leading them to? Yeah, I, talking of gaps, I think there's this gap between being a sales leader and just being a sales boss. And oh, things yeah. we've got a lot of, we got a lot of bosses. We don't have enough leaders. And I think that's for the reasons you talked about back and, and Keenan, you've talked about, is that's the gap. You know, we can close that gap. And also something else you talked about, you know, winning breeds, conf- winning breeds confidence, right? Yeah. And so when you have the situation where you have, you know, these ridiculous goals that are set that are never going to be achievable, it's just a basic tenet of human psychology that winning breeds confidence. Mm-hmm. Put your people in a position where they can experience some success, mm-hmm. and then ratchet it up some, right? <laughs> but you know, we have this, as you said, you know, the stats where so few SDRs make their numbers. What are they learning? They're learning defeat. You know, you say something that's really interesting. Now, I'm just postulating, so you guys, I'm giving you permission to poke the shit out of this, right? And it doesn't speak for those I would say who were born in the in the in the '80s or below. Right. The early 90s were on the cusp, but everybody after. okay. and I get it. Some people get all their panties in a wad. But 
I believe some of the problems we're having today are a result of our society shifting its parenting style from <laughs> teaching, from mm-hmm. teaching to protecting. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a generation where there wasn't any, well, look, we played video games. Trust me, parents, get away from the TV, get outside. Like they had the same type of problems, but the difference is they said, go out and leave. So when you got out, I could tell you all the fights I got in that my parents never knew I got in. I can tell you all the times we had to negotiate on where we were going to build the fort. I can tell you how we negotiated where we we're going to get the stuff for the fort. Um, what you know, who's going to get what? Like there was a lot of interaction and stuff that parents were not part of that kids had to figure out on their own. Same thing with sports. Kids weren't putting sport. Like my kids are in a very detailed sport track now. But mm-hmm. when I was younger, you played three different sports. When one was over, it was over, it was over. You moved on yep, to the yep. next one, right? The coaches were allowed to yell and scream at you. You had to learn to deal with those types of things. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the leadership qualities that, you know, some people are born with, not born with, they're natural leaders, unnatural leaders, but a lot of the qualities that create the foundation for leadership happened in childhood and as young adults that we have completely buffered kids from in an effort to protect them. Mm-hmm. Right? So I honestly believe that what you have is a generation of people who are literally learning to be leaders on the fly because they didn't have to actually figure any of this shit out for themselves because the parents did everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything for them. No, I, I agree. Someone asked me on a podcast as a guest on a while back, you know, was the, I thought the root cause of <laughs> bad sales leadership. And I said, yeah, bad parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's invasive. Like my kids, when my kids started skiing, I made them carry their own skis. I literally have pictures of my two-year-old Ava carrying her own skis. Now look, she'd get tired. So I'd stop, carry a little, but all forever. And I, I got in a fight with the buddies, it doesn't really matter. And he thought he was being funny and ripping on me because a bunch of parents that I didn't know kept calling me the asshole dad. Mm. I was that dick dad that's yelling at his kids and making them carry their skis and making them walk to the bus. And I was like, damn fucking bad, wear it, right? Mm. Because I got a 16 year old daughter who is not dating yet. Beautiful girl, by the way, has no interest, well, just starting, a little interest in boys, but not dating. Why? No insecurities about who she is. No, not looking for attention, because plenty from her dad. Is comfortable who she is because she's accomplished so many things by the time she was 16. So now, badge, badge. Like parents are just afraid for their kids to be uncomfortable, and I do just the opposite. If my kid's not uncomfortable, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know, Beck, if you're holding back or not, but I, I don't no, want to no. jump over you. No, go I, I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I think another thing that's, that's different is, you know, we were, in my generation, we were trained at an early age by my parents to go meet adults and to interact with adults. Mm-hmm. And and at one point in time, I thought, well, they're just sort of showing us off, right? Because, mm-hmm. But that wasn't it. What they were doing is they were teaching us to deal with adults on sort of a peer level, right? We'd be respectful, Mr. and Mrs. and so on and so forth, but we'd have conver- learned how to have conversations with people that were different statuses. Mm-hmm. And that was deliberate on their part. And it was, I saw it with all my, like, you know, a good chunk of my friends, uh, the same thing. And I don't think we see as much of that these days either. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's interesting that you bring up being protected because I hear over and over and over and over and over again from SDR leaders in specific, they're like, well, I want to protect my team. I want to shield my team. I want to I, I want to take care of them. I'm like, protect them from what? Quota? Quota attainment? <laughs> like, that's what you're protecting them from. Right. I'm like, I was brutal on my reps. I was brutal on my reps, and I, I thankfully, I did not have a churn. And I, if I had to guess why... It's because I'm like, look, 
we're going to come into a one-on-one and you're going to prep for 30 minutes and I'm going to prep for 30 minutes and we're both going to invest in this thing and we're going to find the freaking problem and we're going to make it better. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be very much fun. Like I was running reports on like, if you're ghost styling on me, you know, and then I would like look through like at the beginning of every day. Okay. Pull up the last 50 emails that they sent. Why the hell did you do this thing? Whenever we just talked about not doing this thing Uh and people, I would get the reputation of like, Oh, well she's, she's savage. And I'm like, I'm savage for them. I'm for them. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, well the activity metric, I hear this sometimes of like, Oh, the activity metric, like, you know, maybe we can get it up to 25 dials. I'm like 25 dials. I'm like, I, (laughs) I could do that in an hour. Like, what are they doing with the rest of their day? And so if you're enabling them to have those behaviors, then like you're disabling them from being successful. You're not only telling them that it's okay, you're discouraging them, you know, from finding the thing that works. Like when I was at my first, when I first started deploying personalization at scale, you know, when I first started digging into that, that world, the reason was it wasn't because I, uh, and I, I've heard way too many times and it makes my stomach churn every single time. There's no original content. And I'm like, there should be (laughs) because we have new problems every single day and we have to solve some more stuff. And so I'm sitting in my chair and I had been trained by all the classic names And I'm like, and somehow, and I had studied them and I'm like, and somehow I still don't have a cold call track that works and emails that work. So I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull in all of those methodologies. They're going to be up 30% of this. And then we're going to have to do some stuff and we're going to have to alpha test our butts off, you know, but we're going to have to do some stuff that hasn't been done before. So I'm like, what if we made it one-to-one? What about them? And I'm like, okay, what are all the buckets that we could do that on? And then what are, uh, you know, all the self-engaged content, self-authored content, self-identified traits. We started building it out and it wasn't out of fun. It was out of necessity of like, we're practitioners Mm -hmm. (laughs) who need to get better. We need to drive more numbers. And so to the point of, I, I think the entire conversation on accountability, I realized I'm like, look, I can either go back to my leadership, you know, and say like, Hey, we didn't, you know, come in that hot in terms of numbers or I can freaking do something about it. And like, I'm going to do what I got like, got to do kind of thing. So point being, I'm like, I, I hear that flavor in sales too much of like, Oh, you know, be super, super empathetic or be super sympathetic or like, you know, care about their holistic being or, you know, like, okay, we need to, you know, talk about the whole person and bring our whole person to, you know, to work and take a ton of PTO and like, you know, take care. Like, and I'm like, and I get it. I totally get it. But at the end of the day, like, I want to live my life knowing that when I come, you know, and like, whatever, 85, 86, 87, if I didn't get what I wanted out of life, it's on me. So like, you Boom. know, it's on me. Yep. Yeah, it's on me. <laughs> if I didn't it's hit that me. quota, it's on me. If I didn't, you know, hit that number, it's like, oh no, man, stay at the office for later. Like make more dials, make higher quality dials, do more research, find out something about the person, like do something. Do I have this, um, about it. I have this new spread. I posted about this the other day and it got a couple people's attention. I have this spread and I do it to my daughters as well. But what I say is this. If, you are, if you're trying to get something done, okay, and I don't care what it is. If it's you got to freaking 
cut down a certain amount of trees at a certain amount of time. If you got to close so many deals by a certain amount of time, you got to be married by a certain amount of time. I don't care what it is. You've got a goal that you've got to achieve. And if you don't achieve that goal, you and or someone you love immensely dies. Now, you cannot cheat, lie, or steal. You can't do anything illegal, right? Hmm? What do you do different than you're doing today? And that spread is massive. When you start asking people, it's like, yo, man, you got one week to get three meetings, right? And right now you're not getting no meetings a week. And if you don't get those, your, your wife is going to die. What are you going to do different? It's amazing how their head starts spinning. Thank it's amazing you. the creativity they come up with. It's amazing the things they start realizing they're not doing that they fucking get done all of a sudden. And so that spread, but where are you operating today versus where you'd operate if you die or somebody you love die? That tells you what you've got left to give. Now, I don't expect anybody to, to, to play at that level. It's, un, it's unsustainable. But, but you better be a lot fucking closer to that than you are today. And that tells me how much you're leaving on the table. I, I used to say the same thing to the positive. I used to say, if I were to give you a million dollars to my reps, if I were to give you a million dollars. Carrot sticks. Yeah, personality. At the end of the day, how would you do it? And they're like, okay, I would. And I'm like, then do that. Yes, then do that. Thank you. Thank you. Then do, do that. that. Like, yep. however your brain starts thinking, like, execute on that and take yep. the onus. And again, it's exhausting. But what's more exhausting of, like, hard things, easy life. Yep. Easy things, hard life. So, like, I don't want to be that 80-year-old that's like, you know, living with regrets. Oh, well, I didn't get what I wanted, and it's someone else's fault. So I'm like, sales, I, the reason I love it is it's execution heavy. It's not this good juju of, oh, well, I made someone feel this way, dad. It's like, no, did you close? Did you clo- close the freaking deal? At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So it's like, you know, figure it out, figure it out in the conversation of what you need to say, what you need to ask, the information you need to be after. How do you help someone, you know, of, of like, I see a, a big train of like, oh, okay, well, I need to send them a muffin basket. And I'm like, so I, I view Keenan's work. Sometimes they're like, oh, well, he's the guy that yells at people and he's super mean. You know, I don't know if you know the people. He's, he's, he's yeah. a teddy bear. <laughs> he just they're has like, you know, strong he, opinions, which is good. They're, they're like, oh, well, he's super, you know, mean or scary or whatever. And I'm like, you know, it's more scary not hitting quota. And you know, what's even scarier, a trainer who doesn't care about you not hitting quota. So like, he's going to yell at oh, you. What I say to people in my training? I say, listen, if I'm yelling at you, that's a good sign. It means I care and I think I can get to you. If you see me say, all right, you're right. And I move on. I've given up on you. If I'm not yeah. talking, I've given up. Fuck it. You're not, I'm not going to waste my energy if you're not. So then, so if, you, if I'm not talking to you, calling you, argue, if you say something stupid, I don't argue with you, you know, you're out. Like I'm, you're, I don't care. I don't care anymore. All right. You too. So here's a sample for everybody listening of what you're going to get when you attend one of the events on the, what's the name of the tour? Is it the flip the script tour? Flip the script North American tour. Flip I, the script uh, North I'll, American I'll, I'll tour. What I'm talking on, what I'm speaking on, or I think I'm speaking on. So. Give people some information about where they can register. So if you go to the, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link, but I think it's. Well, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes for sure. But yeah, just people okay. do it right now. So you go to flipthescript.co backslash tour dash 2021. Everything's in there. But uh, the three assets, and I haven't announced this yet or what I'm speaking on, but I, I want to I announce it now. So the thing that I'm going to be talking on is the two 
uh, different patterns that you need to interrupt within selling and how to interrupt them. Excellent. And then three assets that people are going to get are they're going to get an entire encyclopedia of every single play under the sun that you can run from a pipeline perspective, an entire cold call infrastructure, and then an entire guide on how to intertwine trigger-based relevance, static core relevance into a playbook if you believe in personalization or you don't believe in personalization. You're like, I just want to do templates only. Good so stuff. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm very pumped, and I'm pumped to hear what Keenan has because he's going to custom craft for each city. Well, he's going to he's going to bring the energy. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about either. All right, as always, a pleasure talking with both of you, and uh, look forward to uh, hearing great things about the tour. Which city do you live in, Andy? San Diego. Come on up to L.A., baby. I mean, we could. Like a, Come on up oh, to it's LA. a free ticket. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there we go. You can even go to the Troubadour and see and just and see the the iconic theater. Only if I can sing karaoke in front of the crowd. I, I will let that happen. <laughs> I will gladly <laughs> give up my spot. Done. Like I'll step aside and just sit down. I was, I was kidding on that one. You, no one wants. In. No one wants to hear me sing. Believe me. I do. I personally do. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, yeah. You're a glutton for punishment. All right. Thank you both. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guests, Beck Holland and Keenan, for sharing their insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.